Hi, and welcome to the ADHD Friendly Podcast. I'm Patty Blinderman. I'm a professionally certified ADHD coach with over 10 years experience, and my passion is finding ADHD-friendly tools, resources, and services that tilt the playing field in favor of those of us impacted by ADHD, and I bring it here and share them with you in the hopes that they create more ease in your life. Today, I'm talking about a celebration related to metacognition. Then I'm going to share an ADHD tip that I'm just calling make your environment more disciplined. And then I'll move to my main topic for today, which is multitasking. Do you think you're good at it? Have a paper and some have piece of paper or something to write with handy somewhere that you can safely participate if you'd like to do my little quiz to see how good you are at multitasking. And then I'll wrap up by sharing what's coming in the next episode of ADHD Friendly. So first off, a celebration. I'm calling this a metacogni metacognition hockey celebration. So I went to a Chicago Blackhawks hockey game and went with my son to see the Carolina Hurricanes, which is our team, play the Blackhawks here in Chicago. And I haven't seen the Hurricanes play in person um, here in Chicago because of the pandemic in years. And when they scored their first goal of the game, I screamed. And I mean, screamed, where my son actually turned to me and said, wow, that was loud. And I actually hurt my hand. I clapped so loud. So I, I jokingly said I had a hockey injury because I hurt myself cheering. And what I noticed was as a Hurricanes fan in the stadium home of the Chicago Blackhawks, I didn't have a ton of Hurricanes fans around me. I was like the only person cheering. And it was, I almost thought like I cheered at the wrong time. It was a really weird um, kind of feeling. And what I did was I read the room. So I li literally looked around me and noticed, okay, all right, maybe dial it back a little bit. This isn't your home team's stadium. This is the Chicago Blackhawks stadium. And you're here supporting the Hurricanes, which is their opponent in this game. And so I noticed what an impact my energy was having on those around me. And when they scored again, because they did, I still cheered, but I didn't jump up and scream so loudly that I think people on the other side of the stadium heard me. I just cheered. And then again, still noticing because the Blackhawks weren't having a great night and we were up to nothing when they scored their third goal. Yeah, because they did. Um, I literally just did jazz hands. <laughs> I didn't scream. I just like, okay, great. I'm so excited. And so what I was really excited about was I didn't want to um, make those around me angry by, you know, kind of being that annoying fan that is cheering for the team that you're not cheering for and being a bit annoying and obnoxious about it. And it was only through my noticing my energy compared to those around me. And mine was so off the charts high compared to those around me because I was cheering for the opposite team. And I just thought, okay, I'm having fun. My team's winning, but I don't need to be so exuberant. So I just used that awareness to rein it in a little bit and um, tried to use that intentionally to support myself to continue to have fun and cheer on my team, but not um, hopefully annoy those around me. And it seemed to work where we left and people weren't kind of yelling at us. We did have a shutout win. 
which was really fun. But um, so I, I wanted to just highlight that because that's not always the easiest thing to do, especially when we have really strong emotions, positive or negative emotions. And I was able to really recognize in the moment and rein it in, which isn't, so, isn't something I can often do. So I wanted to bring that experience here and just share it as my celebration for this episode. All right. So moving on, my ADHD friendly tip, make your environment more disciplined. Hmm. What do I mean by that? So I'm going to start by sharing a quote. This is from James Clear. And he says, the more disciplined your environment is, the less discipline you need to be. Don't swim upstream. So literally don't make it harder on yourself. And I love this so much. I love the idea of just looking around your environment and making the environment more disciplined so that it's easier for you to follow through with your intentions, whatever they may be. So for example, one of my staple rules is don't bring Oreos in the house. If I have Oreos in the house, I have to exert an enormous amount of energy and effort to not go eat them. And if I do eat them, I then have to exert more energy trying to convince myself not to eat more. And if I just don't bring them in the house, I don't get distracted and, and my brain isn't constantly thinking about it because they're not here. I'd have to get in the car and drive to the store. I'm not going to do that. So that's my disciplined environment. I don't have those snacks in the house that I literally cannot avoid eating. It just takes too much energy and effort for me. My other example is, is a more pragmatic one. And this is um, my incoming male um, discipline. And if anyone listening to this has ever struggled with those piles of mail that come in, it's exhausting. It it's, fills up space on countertops or tables, wherever you're putting it. Um, it's clutter. It's visual clutter that can, you know, just take our energy when we walk past it. And I have definitely been guilty of piles of mail in the past. And it wasn't until I literally just sat and thought about what would make this easier for me to tolerate. How could I, you know, start something, not expecting myself to clear all the piles before I started just from starting from where I was. And what I did was I brought a trash can, you know, I went to like sort the mail where there's a trash can. I made sure that there was a shredder nearby so I could easily shred things that I didn't want to keep, but I also didn't want to toss into um, the mail, like a credit card offer or something like that. I wanted to shred that. Um, I have a mail sorter for different people in the family so I can just tuck the mail that's for them into it. So it doesn't, if I just know if I put one thing on a, on a countertop, it's an invitation for everything else to go on top of it and it turns into a pile. So my disciplined environment really encourages me to not start a pile and just using those tools to sort the mail. I, and I even try to throw away anything I can before it comes into the house. So I'll, you know, kind of go through it when I'm walking back from the mailbox and drop as much as I can in the recycling bin. And then when I come inside, I'm sorting into whose mail is it? So that's going to the right person. And I just have a little vertical sorter that I can tuck the different um, pieces of mail into. And then if it can go into, if it needs to be shredded first, then I'm just tucking it into the shredder and done. Nothing goes on the countertop. And I have a section of my sorter for if it's a bill or something that needs to be paid, something that needs attention, then you know it goes there. So it's not just going to sit on the counter and start creating another pile. So I love this James Clear tip to make your environment more disciplined. And I just invite you to notice what structure would you put in place that allows you to be more disciplined in your environment? What's the one thing you would change that would make it easier because you're not having to exert the effort to do something? It's set up to pull you into doing it. All right. So let's get to today's topic. So you think you're good at multitasking. Let's find out. 
Um, so I'm going to do a little multitasking quiz. I'm going to ask you to be in a place where you can focus. So not driving, not walking, not doing, you know, operating machinery, nothing, you know, that's going to require any focus of any kind, be in a quiet space where you can focus without being distracted um, and not multitasking. We're going to single focus one task here, which is the quiz. I'm going to time this on my watch. You're going to have 30 seconds and I'm going to ask you to write this sentence. So if you're listening to this, I'm just going to hold up um, a sheet of paper that shows what it's going to look like, but I'm going to tell you as well. So you don't need to see this. So you're going to write the sentence. Multitasking is worse than a lie. Don't write it yet. I'm going to set the timer. And then you're going to write the numbers one through 28 with a comma after each number. So one comma, two comma, three comma, all the way through 28. You're going to write the sentence, multitasking is worse than a lie, and the numbers one through 28 separated by a comma as far as you can get in 30 seconds. When I say start, ready, start. Got 10 more seconds. Five seconds. Okay, stop. All right, so now just notice how far you got. Most people will have time to do this, to write out all of them. But if you didn't finish, that's okay. Just notice how far you were able to get. So now we're going to make our brain multitask. We're going to have it switch tasks. So I'm going to ask you to, on that same piece of paper, if you have space or on a separate piece of paper, I'm going to tell you what to do. Please do not start until I tell you to start so we can time it and see how far you get. You're going to write the first letter of the sentence, multitasking is worse than a lie. So the M, and then you're going to switch to the numbers, the number one, and then back to the letters in the sentence, U for multitasking, and then below the U, the number two, and then the third letter in multitasking L, and then below the L, the number three. Letter, number, letter, number, all the way through. And you're gonna see how far you can get. There's 28 letters in this sentence. You're going to see how far you can get writing the letter on the first line and below it the number and shifting your focus top to bottom in 30 seconds. Again, I'm gonna time you. Ready, begin. You've got 10 more seconds. Five seconds. And stop. Okay. So now I'm just going to ask you to notice how far did you get? It's typical to get about halfway through. If you are a little bit slower processing things, you may have only gotten about a third of the way through. Really just depends on you know, each individual, but I want you just to notice how did your brain feel? I remember the first time I did this, I literally felt the drag on my brain. I felt fatigued. Did you make any mistakes when you were doing it? Trying to shift from letter number, letter number, just compare what you were able to accomplish and notice how it felt 
that's multitasking. Only about they studies show less than 5% of the population is actually any good at all at multitasking. 95% of us are not good at it. That's why I like to do this little activity. Um, I learned this from Mary D. Sklar in her Seeing My Time course. And I do this whenever I teach that course because it's so concrete. It's such a great, really quick example of whether or not we really can multitask well. And and even if you were able to do that pretty fluidly, it takes so much more effort. So it's really draining your brain. And multitasking is toxic to your brain's health. We're not accessing the more complex neural networks of our brain. We're kind of staying surface, shifting, 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 not allowing our brain to get fully focused on something. And we need those complex neural networks to work because as we age, we need that extensive, complicated network to support our brain. And if we aren't doing that deeper thinking and deeper focus, we're not creating those complex networks. So that that's one thing that motivates me as I get older to try to really be aware of that. And it really is a lie because here's a quote from psychology today. What's really involved is rapid switching of attention at the cost of accuracy and speed in tasks and jeopardizing of your working memory. Remember your working memory is that information you're holding in short-term memory and manipulating. You're using it, it's working. And it's literally trying to shift from one thing to the other, from one thing to the other. And it takes a lot of effort, mental effort. So you're likely to get fatigued and worn out before the end of the day, maybe even before the end of breakfast, if you're trying to do a lot of it. So what are some strategies that you can use to support yourself with a little bit more ease? So remember, the more focused your brain is, the easier it is to resist the temptation to multitask. So I'm going to share how I structured my own day today when I came in to record this podcast. My first tip is always make it external, concrete, and visual. Get it out of your head and into something you can see. So write your list for the day on a piece of paper <clears throat> and then plan how you're going to use your time. Excuse me. So I'm just going to share how I did this. So I started by writing out the things I need to do. This is my daily planner. And I put little time estimates. The circle is indicated, it indicates it's going to take about an hour. This one indicates about a half hour. And I have my three main tasks. And this is kind of my reward task. So I do my daily and weekly um, planning, which takes me about an hour. And I know that because I do it every week. I'm then recording this podcast, which takes me about an hour to record it. And then I'm going to plan the next podcast I need to record, which is 63. And that takes me about an hour just to plan for it. And then my reward thing when I'm done is to look into some custom journals. Now I played around on the piece of paper with the order. I kind of did a dump of everything I needed to do. And then I came up with this order to do them in. It was really tempting to start with researching custom journals because that's the most sparkly. And I know I'll have no problem doing that, but I also know because I have no problem doing it, it will get done. I needed to do the things that were harder first. And so I started with the weekly daily planning because that creates the urgency for me. It makes it really concrete. I can see what time I have and what needs to get done and where I can fit it in. And then I knew if I don't record this podcast, I'm going to be really feeling the pressure the rest of the day and into the week because now I'm behind. So I just knew it was going to feel really good to get that done. So I made that number two. And then I like planning episodes for the podcast. So I made that the third with the reward being the journal. So that was my list. And then I plugged it into the time I had available this morning to get these things done. And I just check them off as I go through and I highlight a little break after I'm done planning. So it just helps me to see the time I can fill 
And if it's realistic, sometimes I'll get to this stage and I'm like, what am I doing? I don't have that much time. I can't fit that in. And it helps me to prioritize. So this is how I'm planning my day. But another way that you could do the same thing that's also visual, but maybe a little bit more concrete. And I do this sometimes when I'm really feeling the pressure and I'm busy. I make a to-do and a done list. And I just write it on a piece of paper, line down the center. And again, same tasks with the little time circles. I'm already done my weekly planning. I'm on task number two. And when I finish, I literally just move it over to done. So it's a concrete way for me to see my progress. So if you're listening to this again, I do invite you to check out my podcast, ADHD Friendly on YouTube, where you can see the example. It's just a sheet of paper where I move the concrete post-it over. I have clients that will put this on the wall. I have clients that will do it on the countertop, you know, just whatever works for you, but that concrete shift so you can see your progress from to do and done. And it gives your, your brain that dopamine hit, keeps you going, pulls you forward, win-win, getting it done. All right. So that's just a little introduction to multitasking, noticing how much does it fatigue your brain and what might help you to focus on one thing at a time. And for me, it's external concrete visual where I can see what I'm intending to do, check it off. And it's allowing me to hold my focus with more ease because I've decided what I'm doing instead of holding it in my head, which tends to always lead to me trying to multitask because I'm just trying to get it all done in the time I have. And that's creating that um, temptation to just split my attention between multiple things. All right. So to recap, I shared a metacognition celebration about how I read the room at the hockey game and went from a ridiculously loud scream to jazz hands to accommodate the, the environment I was in. And then I shared an ADHD friendly tip to make your environment more disciplined. My examples were don't keep Oreos in the house and have a system to support sorting the mail. So I don't have mail piles. And then I shared my main topic, which was multitasking and how to determine whether or not you really are as good at it as many of us believe we are and some strategies to support single task focused activities. And then coming up next week, I'm going to be talking about the importance of capturing successes and wins from 2022 and how I do it. So you'll have some examples of ways to capture yours. And if you haven't started your personal owner's manual yet, I invite you to check out my website, ADHDfriendly.com. There's lots of tools and resources on there to start you in creating your own personal owner's manual. That's all for today. Until next time, tally ho.